You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 30 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome onto the line, it is the editor of the Toolstation Western League Bulletin, it is Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. And yourself? Yes, I'm doing all right. I'm doing, I'm dodging the showers because, you know, it wouldn't be Britain if we didn't talk about oh, the weather. That's it, that's it. Um, the weather is going to feature heavily on um, on this week's podcast, which I'm sure p- potentially is going to sound depressing, but um, we're going to try and give it a slightly lighter tone and, and, and perhaps celebrate some of the positives that have come out of um, a pretty dire weekend from the fixture secretary's point of view. Um, our Premier Division interview is going to be with the groundsman of Shepton Mallet, the only game to get on in the uh, Premier Division. So I think um, we need to give that gentleman his moment in the sun. And um, in the First Division, we talked to Chris Wise, the manager of Wincanton Town. Now, I'm sure the going was soft, um, but they uh, they got that meat on and... Uh, and it came and came away with uh, with their turn in the winner's circle. So um, um, we're looking forward to, to speaking uh, to Chris. Um, but before we do that, um, we are going to hear from our league's fixture secretary, George McCaffrey. Um, I'm sure I wasn't the only person, but on uh, Saturday when it became apparent that fixtures were dropping like proverbial flies, I reached for the hammer, broke the glass and got in touch with George and said, George, we've got to tell people um, what's going on. Uh, So I start my conversation with George by asking him to explain the current situation regarding the league's fixtures. Thanks for the clubs that are working with us. And, um, you know, we we are trying very hard to... um, to get them all in, um, we were fortunate that we can now use an extra week. So we can use the midweek of the 23rd and then Saturday the 27th. If people go on the website or whatever, they should see that most of the games that were postponed from last Saturday have now moved to the 27th. But we've also taken the opportunity... Um, to move some long-distance ones. So the longest trip that we do have, uh, bar one, is uh, Oldlands down to Falmouth or the other way around. Um, they, Oldlands, were going to have to make that journey um, on a Tuesday, but we've moved that to Saturday the 27th, along with a couple of other ones, just to prevent um, those midweek long trips. But we still have them. Um you know, Falmouth are doing really well in the Vars, but um, they're running out of room. And even with the extra week, it's getting very tight for them. And um, they're going to have to come up to Welton Rovers midweek. You know, and it's it's just not easy. Helston coming up to Barnstable, um, obviously in the semi-final for Les Phillips, but also they're coming up midweek uh, for their league game. So, you know these long distance journeys over a hundred miles are having to take place and we've got no way of getting around it. So um, just to be clear then, the dates that you were referring to there, the 27th, that's the 27th of April. Of April, yes. As your listeners are aware, we um, obviously had our playoffs scheduled for there, so they've been moved. So we're now looking at Tuesday the 30th 
of April or Wednesday the 1st of May for the the first round of the playoffs and then the final for the playoff will be Saturday the 4th of May. So from what you've explained we still have a few a small number of long distance midweek um, fixtures and I guess if the weather if the bad weather continues the reality is we will end up having more. Yes absolutely as I say the, the worst case bless them is Falmouth because of the their involvement in the Vars as I say they're coming up to Welton they've got to come up to Wellington and um, of course if and fingers crossed they do they win their quarter final in a week's time on Saturday 9th of March and we wish them every success in that it will mean then that they were into the semi-finals and they are scheduled for Saturday the 30th of March and Saturday the 6th of April well that means that they're due to play Helston on Easter Friday that'll have to be postponed and they are due to play Clevedon on Saturday the 6th and that will have to be postponed and there is nowhere else to put that other than midweek and so Clevedon will have to go down to Falmouth at the end of the season um, midweek. There's just no way around it. Because the other issue other than long distance travel is is obviously teams playing three times a week um, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Are we in that situation already? No, we are very, very close. If we hadn't have taken the extra week, um, we would have been. But um, no, it's just given us that flexibility. As I say, Falmouth are almost there. So if they get any more postponements, it's going to be tough. Um, Obviously, they're due to host Buckland tonight. And by the time this goes out, we'll know whether or not that has taken place. Um, Hopefully it has. But uh, it, it is getting very tough. And some of the first division clubs, because we've got 22 teams, do have a similar situation. Boko are, um, are very tight. And um, Portishead have got a couple of spare towards the end. And Brislington are running out of room as well. You know, so I, I'm keeping a weather eye on it. But we're not on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday at the moment. Um, I suppose the worrying thing is that having agreed to move the season back um, by a week already, the fact that the playoffs are, are, you know, we've always talked about them as being a fixed date because, of course, it's not just our playoffs. They're playoffs that happen across the entire National League system. But if, if we get any more weather disruption, there just isn't the latitude to extend the season anymore. Absolutely. And, of course, the 11th of May is actually the FA Vars final. They ain't going to be be able to go past that, really. I mean, in the past, what they have done is they've allowed teams not involved in promotion or relegation to play beyond the deadline. But with the playoffs, I mean, we're using teams as far down as seventh, you know, so... All of those have got to be finished by the 27th. 
We've talked about Falmouth. Obviously, we do wish them the very best of luck in the Vars, and I do hope for their sake that you know they're I mean, they're, they're in pr- pr- um, playoff contention as well. Um, so I, yes. I desperately hope they don't lose any more um, matches to the weather. Mm. But the other um, um, the, the other competition that we should consider is, of course, our very own Les Phillips Cup competition. How's that being impacted by this disruption? The league have been aware that with the 11th of March being the uh, FA Vars final, we were initially at the start of the season, it was the 11th or the 12th, and the league took the option, uh, sorry, 11th or 12th for the FA Vars final. And so we took the option of going for Saturday the 11th and, and took the risk on that. And it's still a risk at the moment, but we don't want to leave it too late so, in fact, today I informed the four semi-finalists that, in fact, the Les Phillips Cup final will now be scheduled for Sunday, the 12th of May, at 3 o'clock, and it's being played at Tiverton Football Club. So, breaking news there on the podcast. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yeah. And um, it... It would have been easy to sit back and go, oh, well, he might not make it and therefore we don't want to, you know, well, let's get things set in place so everybody knows where we are. And so that's why, like, when we got the ability to use the 27th then um, of April for the last day of the season, we went out and told everybody straight away. And the same with the list, Phillips Cup final, we went out and told those involved straight away. Well, it's obviously really important everybody knows sort of where we're at and what the plan is, George. Thank you yeah. very much um, yeah. for bringing us up to speed. And in, and in the nicest possible way, I, I sincerely hope we don't have to have another one of these conversations because um, by the sounds of it, yeah. things things will only yeah. will only get a lot worse. Yeah, and Ian, I, I must take this opportunity <laughs> to correct myself. Um, following the last podcast with yourself, um, I received some information that I wasn't aware of, and that is that Step 5, our Premier Division, is not allowed to have reserve teams in it. So even if Cribs reserves qualify in the playoffs and their first team get promoted, it doesn't affect the outcome that Cribs reserves cannot be promoted from Step 6 to Step 5. They will remain in our First Division. OK, th- thanks, for, thanks for clarifying that, George. And my thanks, as always, to George for his time. We will head to Saturday, the 24th of February, and the only game um, that was on in the Premier Division, Shepton Mallet, hosted Barnstable Town. A really good crowd of 220 saw this one, Tom, but the home fans won't have gone home happy. No, it was uh, yeah, a really impressive away win for for the Devon side, as you say. Pretty, pretty depressing that we only got one one Premier League uh, Premier Division game on on Saturday. But it, yeah, um, I'm sure Barnstable will have enjoyed it. Uh, a one 0 win for them, uh, and it was uh, yeah, a hell of a win really. Um, the they were uh, given a golden opportunity to go ahead right at the end of the first half, in fact, but they didn't take that. There was a penalty uh, which was kept out by Sam Jepson in the, in the Mallet goal, so uh, that that save kept it goalless at the break. Uh, but then 12 minutes after the interval, Barnstable did go ahead, so it didn't didn't take long uh, after the restart for them to uh, to atone, uh, and that was Jamie Hersey scoring from just inside the area, and uh, that, yeah, that turned out to be the decisive goal. So uh, Barnstable heading to heading to Shepton and, and grabbing a, an impressive one 0 win. 
Now, it's not often that um, I would introduce uh, a, a guest on the podcast as genuine Western League royalty. Um, but in the case of Rodney Neal, I am very happy to make an exception. Now, I know Rodney is the chairman of um, uh, Shepton Mallet, and um, uh, Rodney hosted us uh, for one of our Mind in Somerset bucket collections, and um, I've seen him around the Western League at, at other games. Uh, a, 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 a lovely gentleman who is a, in, a, who is a great ambassador um, for his club and very popular, I know, amongst the other sides. What I didn't know was that Rodney... Ha is also the groundsman uh, at Shepton Mallet and um, has something of an illustrious history uh, in that role. Now, um, you will hear that in the interview uh, coming up, but I started off by asking Rodney how close Saturday's game was to being called off. Literally within 12 hours before, it would have been off. Uh, the water was still coming down through the pitch, uh, but we spent quite a lot of time forking that particular area and uh, then added uh, sand to it. And I just was praying that overnight we got no more rain. That's why we did a, another inspection at quarter to eight and then another one at half past nine. Uh, that gave us a chance because the forecast did show rain coming, but none did and the game could go ahead. You used the word, the term we in uh, in that response. Um, well, I used the, the royal we, but uh, that's me. <laughs> so you did all of it yourself? Well, I had a help by a particular a volunteer committee member, but I won't mention his name because within half an hour he had a blister on his hand. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Um, but, I mean, it is a fantastic effort that you managed to get that um, that game on. I mean, how has your pitch been playing this season? Is it, you know, does, is the Shepton pitch traditionally a good pitch? Well, not necessarily, because normally it could be subject to frost, because we've got a trees down one particular side, which blocks out the sunlight. So it could be susceptible to frost. And, We've had one game, which was a reserve game, caught off because of the frost, because it extends almost, divides the pitch in half lengthways uh, with the frost. And we can't do anything without removing the trees, but uh, it's going to cost upwards of £20,000, which we cannot afford at the moment. No. I mean, how long have you been maintaining the pitch? 50 years. 50? Yes. me. What 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 would you say is the secret to maintaining a good pitch? Time. Purely time and an understanding wife. <laughs> well, you've certainly had um, you've certainly had plenty of time. Obviously, you you um, you wear more than one hat at Shepton. I had no idea um, until um, your manager Aaron Sevier told me that you were also the groundsman because, of course, I know you as the chairman. Um, yeah. of the football club and I, I wondered whether that was perhaps one of the reasons why you were so enthusiastic to, to get the game on on Saturday I mean what difference would it make to your game well you put two hats on one as a groundsman you want the best of the pitch for the game to go ahead but you don't want it ruined because obviously that will cause more work and uh, become a problem later on in, for other games so it's a uh, a compromise in this case because as a chairman you want it on because you want the money yeah it was a, it would have been a big difference would it that, that if the game hadn't been played 
Saturday, presumably it would have gone to midweek and you'd have expected the club not necessarily to take a hit financially, but it wouldn't have made the money that perhaps you were able to make on, on Saturday. Well, that's it. Uh, uh, you know, with a team like Barnsport travelling, there's no fun travelling midweek. You know, even at that distance, you know, imagine going to Cornwall midweek, you know, what time the players have got to leave work or if they could leave work, if you've got a full squad and what time they get back. So all matches are preferred on a Saturday. And and I take it that the the travel the travelling Barnstable fans did spend a few quid on, behind your bar, did they? Oh yes, well they increased their uh, bus with the players up to a fifty three seater, and they did sponsor the game. And uh, all thanks to them, because we were raising money for our goalkeeper Tom Roberts, who broke his leg, uh, raising funds for him. And they contributed £100 towards that fund. That's wonderful. Um, how much money do you know was raised for, for, for Tom? In total, about £1,500 at the moment. That's incredible. That's absolutely fantastic that, um, that, that you've done that. I guess if there's one regret that the game, went, the game on Saturday went ahead, it's the fact that you, you, you sadly lost it. <coughs> Well, you can expect to lose the odd game, but uh, we've had a really good season so far. I think Aaron's done a tremendous job, and certainly the players have. You know, and that's all credit to them. Yeah, and of course, credit to you for for getting the the, the ground, um, for getting the game on. I've met a few groundsmen over the years, and they're they're an interesting bunch of people because quite a lot of them seem to treat the pitch like their own front lawn. And you well, always said, you know. You... Yeah, it's the pride of it, you know, of getting it ready. It's like uh, in August when it's its pristine condition, you treat it as a lawn. And when people says it's a carpet, you know, you take pr- tremendous pride in that. Because yeah. it, almost sometimes it feels like football is a sort of an occupational hazard, you know, that the pitch would actually be a much better place if you didn't have 22 blokes running around on top of it. Well, I thought that uh, on Sunday morning when I walked on the pitch. <laughs> So how is it looking now then? Well, there's a, well, I would say not just one divot, probably a thousand divots out there. And they're very from scrapes to big compression divots, which needs the fork to lever them out. And and I've used a very light roller. The wheels of the mower is heavier than the roller, but I've been doing all that yesterday. Today, I'm going to slip the pitch the opposite way, and that will help relieve the compaction of the uh, wheels of the mower, and then start on divot repair, you know, on filling divots, that is. And I've got a sneaking suspicion that you're going to be doing this for the rest of the week, aren't you? Yes. I was just going to say, because you've got a game coming up on Saturday, haven't you? Yes, yes, uh, semi-final of the Les Phillips against Shirehampton. It's going to be a hopefully a big crowd there, and we need all the support. But again, the weather pattern is almost similar to last week. Uh, you know, you've got rain almost on the Friday, certainly on the Friday and on the Saturday. So we'll be looking at uh, very carefully to what's going to happen with the weather. Well, when I woke up this morning just outside the Vises, we had quite a heavy frost. Um, so I guess we're in the sort of, because we're in, February, I know coming into March, we're in that, the worst of both worlds, that if it isn't freezing cold, it could be soaking wet. 
Yes, we normally get quite a few matches called off in March for waterlogging. And I've been looking back on our history, going back the last 10 years. Our worst year was in uh, 15-16 season when we had 18 matches waterlogged off and one frozen match. And it's been varying between two and three every year since. I think that that type of information is the sort of thing that gets George McCaffrey, our fixture secretary, in a cold sweat. <laughs> obviously, this is the first time we've had you on on the podcast, and obviously, said that you know you've been involved with the club. Um, at, well, you've been doing the ground for fifty years. Can, can you just you know in a, if, in the next couple of minutes give us a, a sort of a potted history of your time at Shepton Mallet? When when did you first get involved with the football club? The only is. I was obviously working full-time as well. You can only manage to do the ground in the evenings when you uh, when it's uh, on lighter nights, and certainly every weekend. And I probably, in those 50 years, can only count on one hand where I've had a Sunday lunch, because Sundays is a football repair day. Well, you know, that's uh, taking care of all lunches. I don't know what a roast lunch is like. <laughs> Did you ever play well, for the club? No, well, I did come on as a sub back in the 70s. That's the nearest I've got to play for it. Because I, I played rugby in the main in those times. And uh, it was only that one instant when we were short. They were short if I had to come on. How did you sort of manage the, um, the elevation from groundsman to club chairman? Well, I was always... Uh, dealing with other things with the club. Uh, you know, it's not just grounds when you do bar work, you do all the food preparation, you go and get the food, and it's uh, you're all doing various other jobs. So uh, to do chairman is only a, a elevation in its sort. It's just the responsibility that everybody comes, comes and asks you what to do. Uh, but we have got a great set of volunteers who do lots of work for the club, and mainly without asking. So, uh, you know, I, I do rely on them. And that's how it's been going. And, of course, I, you know, the last couple of seasons, well, the last few seasons have been successful. You've been, you know, you've been competing at the right end of the of the, of the the table. And, of course, you know, last season, I can remember watching you in the final of the Les Phillips Cups. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you've mentioned that semi-final at home to Shire Hampton. Do you think this season you could go one better? Well, we played uh, Halston the other day and lost, uh, or drew on, on, on one occasion, but Barnstable believe they could beat Halston, and it will be a good uh, final if we can actually meet Barnstable again. But we've got to beat Sharhampton first, and there's nothing certain in football. There certainly isn't, but I think, um, obviously, and, unless you're a supporter of those other clubs you've mentioned, given um, your a lifetime of service to Shepton... Uh, I'm sure the listeners would, you know, love to see you get a chance to lift that trophy because um, let alone what you did last weekend, but, um, um, you know, obviously what you've done for the club over the years is is, is quite a story, Rodney. Yes, well, in, our highlight was in 2015 when the ground was uh, the uh, various uh, Premier League football groundsmen came to our ground and we won the groundsman of the year which is the National Award for Step 5. And that was a great honour. Yeah. At that time. 
and my thanks to Rodney for his time. And now a message from our sponsors. Whatever the job, with over 25,000 products in stock and ready to go, you can click, collect and conquer at Toolstation. Now we will take a look into the first division, which featured marginally better than our premier division on Saturday. We'll kick things off. And with Bristol Telephones, they hosted Bradford Town. Yeah, absolutely. Four games going ahead in, in, in the first. So much better, much better. Uh, but it was the phones who, uh, yeah, claimed a, claimed a 1-0 win over Bradford. Um, probably um, probably not not maybe one people would have predicted. But yeah, the home side coming home with uh, with all three points. Uh, and they've moved up to, to ninth following this win. Uh, and it was Craig Wilson. Uh, he was the uh, the scorer for the phones. I think he's their leading leading marksman this term. Uh, and he was he was the match winner again. Uh, first half goal for him, and that's uh, three wins on the spin in all competitions for the phones, and they uh, they topple the Bobcats. So one nil win for them uh, on Saturday afternoon. Now we move on to your team, Tom. Odd mm-hmm. down, and it was honours even against Bitten. Yeah, they did well to, to battle back in this one, uh, falling behind against a, a side who are obviously uh, much higher uh, at the table than they are, Bitten doing well. Uh, and uh, yeah, they went ahead, and that was definitely their top scorer. That's Joe Beardwell, who's among the... Uh, the top scorers in the division. So yeah, he was on target once again uh, and he scored after about half an hour or so to put, put Bitten in front. Uh, but then, yeah, they managed to odd down, came back uh, in the second half and uh, it was an impressive strike from Abdullah and Jai and uh, that made it one apiece and that was that was how it stayed. So the Bath side uh, coming from behind to, to claim a one-all draw at home to Bitten. Uh, our next game uh, is Radstock Town. They played Hengrove Athletic. Now, Tom, I've seen Radstock a few times uh, this season and they never make life particularly comfortable <laughs> for the home supporters. Well, that was that was potentially the case again on on Saturday. Uh, obviously, Hengrove had a yeah, have had a, had a had a tricky spell, haven't they? And uh, Radstock uh, lots on this game into well, especially with the uh, postponements elsewhere and uh, the three points. I know we're going to touch on the uh, the league tables a little bit later on, uh, but this yeah, big goal, big goal with big ramifications. But just a one nil win for the miners, uh, and they haven't tasted defeat for for quite a while now. I think it was late late November. Uh, and they're now, uh, yeah, they've reached the reached the summit of the division, and it was a first half strike from Jacob Reader uh, who gave them all three points. And uh, yeah, he's in he's in great nick. He's scoring scoring quite a bit in recent times. Obviously, a, a good run for the side, and he's uh, he's a big part of that. Uh, and it was his goal uh, in another slender one 0 win for Radstock at home to Hengrove. So not many goals in the first division on on uh, on Saturday, but some some very tight fixtures indeed. And another one uh, to round mm. off our coverage in the first division. Wincanton Town were at home. Shire Hampton were the visitors. But um, I think we can say it was Wincanton who were at the races, Tom. <laughs> it was eventually. This was the this was the game with the late drama. And Wincanton certainly certainly seemed to be one of those that, that like that. I don't know if I'm sure there's a, a racing joke for the to be had out there. And, you know, coming home at the last. But they have, uh, I think, uh, I, I do recall them uh, winning in stoppage time against Porter's Head a couple of weeks ago. And they, they repeated the trick on Saturday afternoon against Shirehampton. Uh, they were ahead after only 11 minutes in this one. Jacob Sevier putting the one up, uh, but they were pegged back uh, pretty soon after, in fact, by uh, Louis Snellum. Uh, he's having a good season for Shirehampton. He he headed them level, uh, but then, yeah, it looked like... <laughs> To be fair, it looked like it was going to stay one apiece. Uh, that was how it was until until stoppage time. But then it was Matt Garner. I'm not, I'm pretty sure he was the he was the man who scored the winner against Portishead a couple of weeks back, as I mentioned. And it was his towering header uh, against Shirehampton on Saturday that managed to to secure maximum points for Incanton, uh, who stayed very much in the uh, the title race in the uh, the first division. So a good win for Wincanton, a good crowd, and a, and a win uh, over Shirehampton. 
Now, I'm very pleased to report that I managed to get all of my racing puns out of my system <laughs> in the podcast, and there are none at all. I, none know left. That, I know that will disappoint some listeners, but there aren't <laughs> any uh, during my interview with Chris Wise. Uh, I started my interview with Chris by um, reflecting on that win against Shirehampton, and I asked him whether it was as close as the scoreline suggests. Um, first half, definitely. Uh, if, if I'm honest, I think they were the better team first half. Um, certainly had more chances and had more of the ball, actually, in general. We, we didn't really come out. Although we scored early, it looked like it was potentially the wrong thing for us because after that, we were quite flat first half. But um, second half, I thought we, we completely done kind of two or three of those goal-mouth scrambles that you just wonder how they haven't gone in. Uh, we've missed chances, and although we left it um, left it very late again, as we've got, I was going to say habit, bit, but a, a nice habit of doing at the minute. Um, I think we were we were definitely good value for the win. Uh, like I say, albeit left it very late. I think it was ninety third minute when we got the winner, but um, I don't think there'll be too many complaints overall that we, that we would probably deserve it of the three points. Uh, now, we've been talking a lot about the weather on uh, on this week's podcast. W- was your game in Saturday ever in doubt? Um, not really, if I'm honest. Um, so our, our pitch problems are kind of well publicised. A, c- a couple of years ago, if there was any game on within a... Uh, sorry, any game off within a 60-mile radius, you could guarantee we'd be off without a doubt. There was, If there was any bad weather you'd be looking not at the next game ahead at the next two or three thinking what we're going to do here and obviously it was quite well publicized that for half a season well over half a season in the end a couple of years ago we had to play at um, Gillingham um, and they thankfully accommodated us because without that I'm not sure what we'd have done they were um, they were great to accommodate us at that time whilst we had our own pitch issues and come to the kind of decision as, as a club that we needed to invest heavily. We needed to um, get a new drainage system, which for a club like ours is, is a huge amount of money. And yes, we got grants for a lot of it, but we still had to put more money towards it than we'd have ever in our 130 year history put towards anything in the past. It was um, astronomical amounts, but we're seeing the benefit of it now twice this season We've been the only game on in the first division where every other game's been off. Um, the drainage is working absolutely amazingly, which is a kind of a credit to the the people who installed it in the first place, but the ground staff as well now in the upkeep and getting it ready for a game day. We know we've still got areas to work on in terms of the actual surface, um, but I think most people, after having new drainage, are, are the, kind of in, on the same boat in that on that front. Um, and we know the surface itself in the winter months can be improved on. We we know that in the summer it's, it's perfect. But in the winter months, we do know that's got areas to improve. But in terms of the drainage doing its, what, its job and kind of um, getting us ready for a game and being able to play matches on it, it's, it's been absolutely brilliant, a complete game changer for us. Because your form um, over the past few months in particular has been has been very good but I did notice that you had something of a blip against Longwell Green what happened there we did um yeah we, we'd been flying up to that point um and then no no excuses on the day we we fully fully deserved to lose um they were they were the better team on the day um we, we just didn't come out of the blocks at all and that 
he's got a good young team there, Chris, and um, he's a good guy as well, and they they run things properly. And the, on the day, they thoroughly deserved the win. It was it was a missed opportunity for us as well because that was one of those games where there was hardly ever match, hardly any other matches on. So it would have been good to get the three points, but it, it wasn't to be on that one. Um, but not too many complaints really from me as. Yes, we lost in that game, but kind of previously we'd beaten Portishead, Wales, Brislington. So some kind of big scalps really in there for a um, on the lead up to that game. It was just yeah, unfortunate and disappointing that we then kind of slipped up against Longwell. But that's where it goes. You, you st- you've stolen the thunder of my next question there, because having <laughs> sort of rather unkindly talked about that defeat. Um, against Longwell Green, I was going to say that, you know, you obviously have had notable victories over the likes of Brislington and, and Portishead. So, I mean, we, we, you know, things are certainly very positive. Um, now we're sort of entering perhaps the final phases of, of, of this season. Do you, do you think that the title is beyond Wincanton? I don't think it's beyond us. Um, I don't think it is. I'd never say it is, ever. Um, I remember a few years ago, Welton were... I think it was 20 points clear at Christmas at one point and they ended up being caught. And I, I, I think in this league, anybody can beat anybody. So we've just got to concentrate on pick, keep picking up wins, picking up points. There's the one thing you'd hate to be is uh, in a position where it does become available and teams do slip up and, and you kind of haven't done your own job. So obviously teams are going to have to lose games, but there's still a lot of games we played and, a lot of teams to play each other so I, I wouldn't say it's beyond us obviously clearly we need results to go our way not only for ourselves but elsewhere as well but it's certainly not impossible not but not by a long long stretch if there was a team that you'd you if you were to say anybody finishes above them um they are they win the league i mean is there a team in mind for that question um mine is the same answer that i did when i think we um we spoke right at the very start of the season. It's still Brislington. They've got a couple of games in hand. Um, we we beat them at our place, but they're still, for me, the, the best team in the league. I still think when they've got everybody out and they're fully at it, they're for me, they're still the best team in the league, got the, the, um, the best overall squad. And I think anybody that does finish above them will win it. I can, I can only see them finishing first or second. So um, yeah, if you if you finish above Brisbane, in my opinion, you've got a real chance of, of the uh, of the title. Because for me, I, I still agree with kind of what most have said. There's, there are other good teams in this league. Don't get me wrong, but if I if I had to hang my hat on one, I think Brislington would probably be that um, that team that you wouldn't really want to face if they're absolutely at their best on any given day. But the good news is that. Um the playoffs do give ambitious sides like yours another route um, into the uh, in, into promotion. So, with that in mind, if you were able to secure a playoff place, would you be um, optimistic that you could really give it a go? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've certainly got experience in that on that front. I think we're the the only team to finish in the in the playoffs twice, and um, both of them on the back of good runs, but fell at the semi both times. Um, Last year, both to the team that kind of eventually went up, Welton the year before, and uh, Oldlands last year. And last year, it was a uh, penalty shootout. It went down to sudden death, and all 22 players on the pitch took a penalty. And at the end, it was our young keeper that missed the deciding one. Heartbreaking, really, for him and for all of us. But 
I feel we we've certainly got experience there. It does come down to a little bit of a lottery. The uh, the playoffs. I remember the first year, for example, when we played uh, Welton, we'd been flying. Um, we were on that 25 game unbeaten run, but it, it took its toll. And by the time we reached that point, we had injuries, we had knocks, we had people unavailable. So I think timing's really big with the playoffs. I think you do have to come into it in good form, but you have to come into it with good availability, your, all your kind of best players available. As It is a bit of a lottery, and you've just got to give yourself the, the best chance of coming through on the day. And the best way to do that is to have your best squad available, but also be in good form leading up to that, and you're just bouncing from win to win. We can't really look ahead further ahead than um, than Saturday. You've got Canesham away, which at least should give you some optimism that the game, whatever the weather, should be on um but i've noticed their form has in, has in been has been improving since a, a difficult start to life in the first division so that's not going to be an easy game for you that that will not be an easy game under any circumstance um i've heard very very good things about them especially on their own uh, 4g when we played them at home earlier in the season um you could tell they're a young team trying to gel, but they've they've picked up some good results and apparently play really, really good football at home on their own surface, which um, will always favour the home team, always, who plays and trains on that every week. And that will definitely be a tough game. And um, one will absolutely have to be at our best to get anything out of whatsoever. That There's no doubt about it. That'll be a real tough game Saturday. And my thanks, as always, to Chris... Uh, for his time. Uh, now, um, ever the optimist, Tom, we will we will dare to dream. We will look ahead ah. to what will hopefully be a full fixture list on Saturday, the 2nd of March. And before we get into our Premier Division and First Division games, we do have two Les Phillips Cup semi-finals. Um, you obviously heard me talking to um, Rodney about Shepton Mallet's game at home to Shirehampton and Barnstable Town. They entertain Helston Athletic, which means that we could have a repeat of last season's Shepton Helston final, or we could have something completely different. Um, but um, looking ahead to the Premier Division, then on Saturday, Tom, what game has caught your eye? Gone for a Cornish derby, uh, so fingers crossed they can they can get it going on on Saturday afternoon. Both in mid table, uh, not not much split in the sides, and that's St Blazy uh, hosting Tour Points. So I think that should be uh, yeah, it should be a great game. Obviously, we've got quite a few sides, well, four sides out of action in in terms of the, the Les Phillips. So that leaves us with a with a couple to pick from in the Prem, and I think I've uh, yeah picked the uh, the game of the day there between St Blazy and Tour Point. Uh, one of the sides that has impressed me this season, and I think is going to go really well next season, is Brixham. Uh, they are at home to Bridgewater United. Obviously, Bridgewater are fighting it out for a promotion playoff spot. Um, this could be a real test for the Somerset side. So that's my pick of the games on Saturday. Brixham at home to Bridgewater United. Now we will turn our attention to the first division, Tom. What game have you chosen there? Gone for the uh, the new league leaders. Uh, we've kind of touched on it with Radstock. Uh, they have another a tough an away trip on on Saturday to take on Halland. Now something's got to give here because obviously we've mentioned Radstock's good form, but having had a quick peek at uh, Halland's uh, Halland's recent run, uh, especially the home games, they are unbeaten in seven uh, home games, winning six of those and including a victory over Bradford in that spell. So uh, I don't think Radstock are just gonna gonna rock up and uh, yeah put put sort of five past them or anything like that. I think this might be. If if it is, uh, if it is a, if it goes ahead, it's going to be a tight affair, I think. And I think Helena, yeah, they'll be up for it, won't they? They certainly will. Um, 
I'm going to go for two teams fighting it out at the, the wrong end of the table. I'm sure for both Warminster Town and Cheddar, this will be a game that both fancy that they can take something from. And I always think that that makes for a really enthralling contest. Warminster are at home, um, but uh, I know that Cheddar, obviously, they've had some difficulties. They've had a change of manager, um, but I'm sure that they'll want to take something from this game. So that's um, that's the game that I'm going to plug in the first division. Uh, now, there hasn't been a lot of football played, as we know, over the last few weeks. So I don't think we need to dwell too much on uh, the league tables. But um, just to give listeners a reminder, um, Tom, do you want to sort of run us through the runners and riders at the top of the Premier Division? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hopefully there's uh, a little bit of change since we last touched on these. So we've got Helston uh, leading the way in, in the Prem. Uh, 23 games played. Uh, they're on 56 points, uh, one ahead of Clevedon, who uh, have played a couple more, in fact. So they've played 25 and they're up to 55 points. So that's the top two. And they've got a bit of a buffer to, to Falmouth, who are in third. Obviously, we know of their their games in hand, thanks to their, uh, their Vars heroics. Uh, they've played 22 uh, and they're on 48 points. Uh, then you've got Buckland, uh, who have... Uh, moved up quite a bit recently. They've played 26 and they got 47 points. And then you've got Bridgewater as well, who are doing well. Uh, 22 games played and they're on 46 points. And at the bottom, of course, we've got Millbrook. Um, but Millbrook, of course, had picked up another win. Uh, their second of the season. They've got six points. So there is still a gap between themselves and Wellington in 17th. Wellington are on 14 points, the same number of points uh, as Welton Rovers. Um, but um, who knows what could happen if uh, any side down there goes on a run. I think really we're looking at um, 14 down because there's a 10-point gap between Saltash in 14th and Ilfracoom in 13th. But, of course, any sides uh, picking up wins um, could legitimately hope um, to swap places uh, down at the bottom of the uh, Premier Division table. But the real question is whether Millbrook can go on a run and pick up another win or maybe even two. Um, now, that's the Premier Division, Tom, um, the First Division. And this really is an opportunity to give the Miners their moment in the sun. <laughs> Absolutely. They they rise to the top. Uh, 31 games played. They are the first team to reach 70 points this season. So that's excellent stuff from Radstock. They are the new First Division leaders. And uh, they have a couple of points lead over Porter's Head, who are on 68, and they've played 29. So a couple of games in hand on Radstock. But obviously, I think at this stage now that um, all the uh, all just unfortunate postponements we've had over the recent weeks, we are going to have a little bit of disparity in sort of fixtures and stuff, aren't we? So... Uh, that's that's the case at the top. And you've then got Cribs Reserves, who are in, in third. They've played 30, and they're on 64 points, uh, alongside Wing Canton. Obviously, a couple of uh, dramatic wins of recent times. They're also on 64 points, and very much, as I say, in, in the title race still, and they've played 31. And if we look at the foot of the first division table, Bishop Sutton, well adrift. Uh, they've got two points from their 32 games. Cheddar above them, um, 13 points um, from their 28 games. Um, but could they get something away at Warminster? Um, Hengrove are in 20th. They've played 30. They've got 26 points. The same number of points as Gillingham, who've got a game in hand. And then it's Warminster in 18th. Um, 29 games played, 27 points. That's at the foot of the first division table. Uh, as always, of course, with all the, the stats, all the league tables, the reports, the fixtures, um, it is your bulletin, uh, Tom. And uh, where can the listeners find that? That is on the uh, the Toolstation League website. Uh, if you go to the homepage and then scroll down just a little bit, you'll find that on the uh, on the left hand side. And that comes out every week, as as, as usual, even even when there's uh, plenty of games 
uh, called off, managed to managed to get something out on the weekend. So uh, yeah, that will come out on on Sunday Sunday lunch times. Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you very much for your time, and I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast.